Well, let's pray and ask God to uh, speak to us through the word this morning. Lord, thank you for these testimonies that have been shared. Thank you that you, you love to have us call upon you. You love to work in our lives. You are here through Jesus. We can always turn to you, come to you exactly as we are. In our weakness, in our struggles, you love us, you sympathize with us, you help us, you forgive us, you cleanse us, you strengthen us, you comfort us, all those things. And so Lord, I come to you now and I just say, help, help, me, to, help me to have the right heart, help me to be wise, help me to be clear. Just help me, Lord, and, and help all of us open our hearts up to your word. I'm just praying, Lord, for me and in Mercy Hill Church in these next weeks that you would just blow us away with who you are, that we would see and feel your wonder like maybe we never have before. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good. Well, Jerry and I, we're, we're praying that in 2012, uh, a couple, we're praying for God to do a couple things. We're asking the Lord to strengthen every single one of us here at Mercy Hill in, in our trust in Jesus Christ, that you would trust the Lord Jesus this year more than ever before. And that flowing out of that, there'd be a lot of kind of ripple effects. One is that you're, if you're in a marriage, that your marriage would be strengthened, that there'd be more love there, more serving there, more care there, more devotion there, more Christ-centeredness there in your marriage. We're praying that that'll have a ripple effect in terms of families, that families will be praying together, right, as needs come up, that families will be having fun together, that families will be united together and and advancing the gospel together in neighborhoods. We're praying then for home groups, that our home groups will experience even more Christ-centered community together, advancing the gospel together, bearing each other's burdens, praying for each other, loving each other. And the result of all this is that we will see people in our uh, neighborhoods, people in our workplaces, People just in our circle of friendships coming into the joy of knowing Jesus Christ. So this is what we're praying for 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 2012. But now for for that to happen, there's one thing that is absolutely essential. That none of this will happen unless this one thing is happening. And Daniel mentions it in Daniel 11.32. We have it up there? There it is right there. The people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. It all comes down to knowing God. If you know God through Jesus Christ, if you know Him, trusting Him, loving Him, fellowshipping with Him, walking with Him, relying on Him, depending upon Him, if you know God, then there will be two results. You will stand firm. And you will take action. But if we're not knowing God, we try to stand firm or take action, it's all going to fall apart. So this is the reason why for these first, or these next four weeks here at Mercy Hill, we're going to be talking about who God is so we can be sinking our roots deep in knowing God through Jesus Christ. Now, I'd like us to memorize this verse together. Okay? This is kind of a short one, so this is just like your first foray into Bible memory. It's like, okay, this, you know, baby steps, right? Baby steps. But I want us to memorize Daniel 11.32. So here's how you do, here's how I do Bible memory. You say the reference, then you say the verse, and then you say the reference at the end, right? The address comes fore and aft, and the verse is in the middle. So let's all, just, we can go ahead and read it, but let's repeat this together. Can we do this like right now? And then we're going to do it next Sunday. We won't make you stand up and do it individually. Just, just, to, just to let you know. But work on it in your family. Work on it in your own devotional times. Cut this out from your teaching answer there. Put it on your, you know, your, your bathroom mirror. 
or your car dashboard for when you're at stop, stop lights. Okay, that's when you read it, stop lights, all right? But let's just do it together. So, verse first, verse, and then, I'm sorry, reference, verse, and then reference. Daniel 11.32. The people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. Daniel 11.32. See how easy that was? Okay, one more time. Daniel 11.32. The people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. Okay, we're going to keep working on this. So, work on this. Oh, sorry. Daniel 11.32. Very important to have that four death. Okay. So work on memorizing Daniel 11.32. But we're calling this series, Beholding God's Glory. And what I want to dig into this morning is God's holiness, and then, Lord willing, next week, God's righteousness, the following week, God's wrath and anger, and then the last week, God's love and mercy. So this morning, let's dig into God's holiness. What is God's holiness? Now, I have to confess that uh, first few years of my Christian life, I, I was not that excited about God's holiness. And, and I think probably the main reason was just my own heart, my own issues. But I think part of the reason was that it was not explained to me uh, very biblically and very, very well. Um, I mean, it just it didn't grab me to hear that God was totally set apart from everything else. Okay, why is that so exciting? It, it didn't really do much for me to hear that God was perfectly pure. I mean, so was water, some water, right? I mean, right? It, and it wasn't until somebody sat down with me and opened up scriptures that I thought really focused on the main issue of what God's holiness was. It is true, God's holiness does involve the fact that he's set apart from everything else and he's totally pure, but those aren't the main point of God's holiness. Those, I think, miss the main thing, the thing that really captured my heart. So what I'm praying that God will do this morning is that he will capture your heart with what God's holiness is. How recently has it been that you have just loved the fact that God is holy? Yes! So you join with the angels. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God the Almighty. I I would guess that that hasn't been as common here as it should be. And so we want to Get that stirred up so you will be passionately excited about the fact that God is holy. So let's start with Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. Here Isaiah has a vision of angels in heaven, and they are speaking to each other worship of God. And look at what he sees and what he hears them saying. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. Most of the scriptures, by the way, today are going to be up on the screen. So, um, in fact, they all I think they all will, just for the sake of time. Isaiah 6, 3. And one angel called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Okay, so God's holiness means that his glory fills the earth. Okay, what does that mean? What is, what is glory? It's, it's kind of hard to, to you know, sink your teeth into the idea of glory. Glory is is what you feel when you see or sense something that makes you say, Wow! Okay? What you were just feeling there, that was glory. Okay? So like, 
Like this last week, I saw a sunset. Have you seen the sunsets or sunrises recently? Tina Swanson posted it on Facebook, okay? All right, this last week, I saw a sunset that made me just say, wow. So I was seeing glory there. Uh, Friday night, celebrating Jan's birthday at a restaurant, I had some, what was it called? It was ahi tuna that made me say, wow. I'm just smelling it. I won't go into a stop there. Don't be hungry. All right. Um, but that, I, was, I was tasting glory there. Um, one other example, yeah, Friday I was watching a video. There's this surfline.com thing that Dave and I like to watch every once in a while. And there are these huge waves in this place called Jaws. That just watched these guys surfing and said, wow. So see, glory is what you're feeling when something that you are seeing or experiencing makes you say, wow. That's glory. Okay, that's, that's the definition of it. So God's holiness means that what he is creates such a big wow that it fills the earth. Okay, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his wow. Now, that's, that's what God's holiness is, okay? His holiness means that what he is it's such a massive wow, it fills the earth, it's a wow that surpasses every other wow that is on the earth. That's God's holiness. It's a little more background. Now, the, the Hebrew word holy means set apart. And the point is that God's perfections set him infinitely apart, infinitely above everything else. His per, the perfections of his being set him infinitely apart, everything else. So God is the infinitely biggest wow that there is. You can see this in Isaiah 40.25. What am I doing wrong here? Anyway, I'm getting all tangled up. So look at Isaiah 40.25. should be up on the screen. God says, To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. So holiness means no one can compare with God. Who God is sets him infinitely above everything else in comparison. No one else can be can come close to being like God. Here's a quote from the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament, just to back this up more. God's holiness is the expression for his perfection of being which transcends everything creaturely. Okay, that sounds like a theological dictionary of the New Testament, doesn't it? Okay, it's the biggest wow that there is. The perfection of his being sets him infinitely above everything else. He is infinitely most valuable, he is infinitely most satisfying. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his wow. That's holiness. Okay, now, so far this is just maybe words to you. So we, to feel that, though, we've got to take a look at some of God's perfections. You may not be feeling the, the wow yet. So let's take a look at some of God's perfections and see if God, through his word, by the Spirit, will stir your heart so you're thinking, Whoa, yes. The little little wow coming on here, okay? So let me give you nine perfections that set God infinitely above everything else and see if these grab you like they've grabbed me. First of all, God is eternal. Okay, Psalm 90 verse 2 says that from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Think about it. God is a being who is from everlasting. He has no beginning. Everything else in existence, everything else that is, 
has had a beginning. Everything else. But there's one being who has no beginning. God. So the fact that God has been from the beginning sets him infinitely above everything else in existence. God's eternal. Second, God's creator. Genesis 1.1. You all know this verse? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, so in eternity past, God has no beginning. There was just God. And then God chose to create. And he created the universe. And he created planet earth. And he created you. And he created me. So think about it. Only God is creator. Everything else that's in existence is created. There's there's only one being. God in three persons. God is the only creator. Everything else is created. So the fact that God is creator sets him infinitely above everything else that is. Just, whoa! Just one creator. Everything else is created. Infinite distance there. Third. Couldn't think of really what word. I just used the word massive. God is massive. Okay? Jeremiah 23, 24. God says, Do I not fill heaven and earth? You know, that's not pantheism or what's called panentheism. There are religions that teach that God is heaven and earth. It's not what the Bible teaches. God existed before he created the heavens and the earth. Then he created the heavens and the earth. He is distinct from the heavens and the earth, but his presence fills the heavens and the earth. Now, we've we've talked about how big the universe is, but just, again, get a feel for how big. If God fills the heavens and the earth, and he created all that, he's massive. Okay, remember remember one light year? Remember the math equations? Hope I get this right. One light year, I wrote it down is 240 million trips around our globe. Remember that? One light year, 240 million trips around our globe. Um, The Milky Way that we're in is 100,000 light years wide. Okay, just massive. And scientists tell us that there are over 50 million galaxies the size of the Milky Way here. And God fills the heavens and the earth. God is massive. So when it comes to God's immensity, who he is sets him infinitely above everything else that is. Okay? Eternal, creator, massive, sovereign. Ephesians 1.11. God is a being, Ephesians 1.11 says, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Everything that happens is by God's sovereign will. Everything else is ruled by God. Only God is the ruler. Only God is sovereign. Nothing else is sovereign. Only God is in sovereign control of everything. So when it comes to sovereignty, everything else is down here, and God is infinitely, his perfection sets him infinitely above everything else that's under his control. All-powerful. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 26. And Isaiah uses an illustration here about God's creating the stars to to help us get a feel for God's power. Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these stars? In the context, it's clear that he's talking about the stars. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, Power, not one, is missing. 
So God created all the the stars. That's just a, a way of describing in Isaiah his power. God is so powerful that he created all the stars. I tried to think of illustrating how amazing that is. Okay, think about how much power it would take to create planet Earth. Okay, planet Earth is 8,000 miles in diameter, roughly. Okay, diameter, remember what diameter is in geometry? That's, if you go right you know, through the center of it, okay? You all know about diameter, right? Okay, okay so the Earth is 8,000 miles in diameter. The sun, see how big the sun is? That's just to the left there. See a little tiny Earth right there, okay? That, thing, that big yellow thing to the left, that's the sun. 860,000 miles in diameter. Earth, 8,000 miles. Sun, 860,000 miles in diameter. Think of how much power it would take to create an 860,000 diameter sun. And then I tried to find out how many stars there were in the universe. And um, it's getting bigger all the time. They're discovering more. But there's thousands of billions of suns in the universe. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So think about God's power. I mean, just let your mind just... So when it comes to power, okay, God's power, do do, do you feel that it sets him infinitely above everything else that is? Do you feel that? Sixth, God is all-knowing. Psalm 147, verse 5. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Okay, think about how, how little you know. Okay? I mean, I think about how, how little, just how skinny your bandwidth is, how little you can concentrate on at one point in time. Like, I can think maybe two and a half things in my thoughts in my mind. Spurgeon, anyway, I won't go into that, but I've got about two and a half and I'm doing good, okay? Sometimes I've got, sometimes I got almost one, all right? Okay, but think about how little we know. Think about how much we forget. Okay, but see, God always consciously knows Everything, past, present, and future. All the time. His bandwidth covers everything. He always knows everything, all the time, past, present, and future. So see, every other being is, is, is in the process of learning. Just, just learning, learning, learning. God knows everything consciously, all the time. So when it comes to knowledge, who God is just sets him infinitely above Everything else it is. Do you feel that? Wow! Seventh, God is joyful. It's going to be a little interesting for you to think about. 1 Timothy 1.11. You ever notice this verse? talks about the gospel of the glory of the blessed, underline that word, very important word, the blessed God with which I've been entrusted. That is the Greek word blessed. There's two different Greek words blessed. This is the one that means happy or joyful. Here Paul talks about the gospel of the glory of the joyful, happy, celebrative God with which he's been entrusted. So here's what this means. From eternity past, God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so God the Father looked at the Son and the Holy Spirit and just said, wow, as he saw the reflections of the Godhead in the fellowship of the Trinity. And Jesus the Son looked at God the Father and God the Spirit and just said, wow, as he saw their perfections in the Spirit, saw God the Father and God the Son, and just said, wow, as he saw perfections. From eternity past, God has been full of joy. Now, how much joy, if you just imagine, what would it be like to watch an all-powerful, infinite being be full of joy? Yes! 
Imagine it. That's God. Full of all-powerful joy in the fellowship of the Trinity. And, And this joy was so burning in him that he wanted to create so that he could share his joy with us. That's why God created. He spoke the universe into being so that we could have the joy of beholding him and say, awesome, yes, look at you. His joy moved him to create so that he could share his joy with us. But, now here the story takes a turn for the worse. What have we all done? I mean, just just think about it. Here, standing before us, is our creator. No beginning. Infinite in power, in knowledge, in sovereignty. Massive. Joyful. Created us so that we could have the heart-filling joy of knowing him and beholding him. He's there in front of us. And we've all turned our backs on him and refused to acknowledge our creator. Refuse to, to bend the knee. Refuse to own up to who he is. Refuse to worship, rejoice, celebrate, love, adore. We refused. And that brings us then to the next trait of, of God. How does God respond? God's just. Look at Deuteronomy 32, 3 and 4. He is perfectly just. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our God. The rock, his work is perfect. For all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Everything God does, every single thought, feeling, desire, action is perfect. Perfectly just and upright. Perfect justice, perfect uprightness. And so how does God respond when he sees me and he sees you committing the the ultimate outrage of turning our back on on the universe's infinite, the, the, the infinite joy of the universe, turning our backs on him and walking our own way? How does God respond? He responds in perfect justice and righteousness and we have to be punished because of the wickedness of what we've done and so every one of us has faced eternal judgment that's one of the most important things for you to understand about yourself we've 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 all faced eternal punishment god's perfectly just that's number eight so there's number nine aren't you glad there's number nine because number nine one more aspect of God's holiness, and that is God's love. His love is, is amazing. There's one display of God's love that is the most clear, and Paul describes it in Romans 5, 8. He says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the cross is the most clear picture of God's Love. The cross shows us how much God loves us. Here's why. God so longs to share with us the joy of who he is. He so longs to share the joy of knowing him that he, get this, he, God, infinite, no beginning, sovereign, massive, creator, 
Milky Ways, light years, massive, huge creator, just awesome God. This God became a man. Became a man. God's perfection set him infinitely above everything else, and he came down and became a man. No way. Yes. And not only did he become a man, he became a man so that he could be screaming in agony. The physical torment, which was nothing compared to what it meant to have the Father pouring wrath out upon him for our sins. This is God on the cross, loving us, sparing no effort so that he could bring us into the joy of knowing him, beholding him, seeing him. God loves us that much. Now listen, is there any love anywhere near that, anywhere in the universe? No! His love is It sets him infinitely above everything else. There's no love anywhere near like the love that God has for us. Becoming a man and then dying on the cross, being punished with his own wrath because of our sin in our place. There is love. This God who is all-powerful with no beginning and perfectly just and massive and sovereign and everything, he loves. He loves us. So can you feel what amazing news it is that God is holy, that his perfections set him infinitely above everything else that is? Power, yes. Justice, yes. Massiveness, yes. No beginning, yes. Creation, yes. All that, yes, yes, yes. But the pinnacle of it is his love and his mercy for us. That's what takes our breath away. Amazing. Listen. You've been born into a universe with a being like that running things. Okay? Here you are. That's who he is. And he's holy. So for God to be holy means that his perfections set him infinitely above everything else. His perfections call for the the ultimate wow. Okay, now... Any questions about that? I want to move into the next last question, which is how should we respond to God's holiness and talk about what it means for us to be holy. But any questions about that understanding of what, what God's holiness is? What, what questions? Did you mean that? Did you, I didn't catch that. Or Questions? It was all like just really, really clear, right? That was just so clear, Steve. Was it? Okay. Does that stir any questions in your mind? It is, it is amazing news. All right, well, let's move in then to how should we respond to God's holiness. And actually, let's turn to this passage. I don't think we have this up. I don't think we have 1 Peter 1 on the, on the slides. 1 Peter 1, verses 14 through 16. This is page... In fact, if you need a Bible, can we pass... Who needs a Bible? This would be really important to, to get Bibles passed out for. So thanks, guys. We're doing a little different this morning. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. Here's how we should respond to God's holiness. You might be surprised at what the answer is or what the answer means. If you need a Bible, go ahead. Um, and 1 Peter 1 is on page 1014 in the Bibles we're passing out. So three verses in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16, page 1014 in, in these Bibles. 
Look at what Peter writes. He says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. So in the past, we were willfully ignorant of God. We refused to think about God. We were, we were willfully ignorant. And so we, we developed all kinds of other passions that we thought would satisfy our hearts. There's, there's porn and there's Tesla cars and there's you know the PayPal new CEO, the amount of money he's going to make and all this different kind of stuff we think about, right? All these passions that were ours in our, in our former ignorance. Don't be conformed to those passions, verse 14. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, and this is a quote from the Old Testament, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So how should we respond to God's holiness? We should be holy. Okay, now, what does it mean to be holy? I would guess that many of us think that being holy, you have a list of don'ts. Okay? Or maybe others of us say, well, no, it's not just don'ts. There's a list of do's and don'ts, okay? And, and it's true that being holy will result in some things you do and some things you don't do. That's true. But let me ask you this question. Were the scribes and Pharisees holy? Absolutely not. Did they have a list of do's and don'ts? Oh, yeah. Long, long list. Long, 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 long list. So you can have a list of do's and don'ts and totally miss what holiness is all about. This is so important. I don't want anybody here to miss what holiness is about. What does it mean to be holy? We're to be holy because God is holy. Let me, let me just throw this out there. Here's, here's my explanation. Remember what it means for God to be holy. It means that his perfections set him infinitely above everything else that is. That's what it means for God to be holy. So what does it mean for us to be holy then? Well, it doesn't mean that our perfections set us infinitely above everything else it is, right? That's easy, okay? But what does it mean then? Same word. Here's what it means. It means that we let God's perfections so capture our hearts that in our hearts we set him infinitely above everything else it is. That's what it means. Let me say it again. God's holiness means that his perfections set him infinitely apart, infinitely above everything else it is. For us to be holy means that we let his perfections so capture our affections and desires and passions that we set him infinitely above everything else that exists. That's what it means to be, to be holy. Holiness means you see his creator, no beginning, all-powerful, Righteous, just, massive, loving God. And, and it means that in your heart you say, you, God, are all that matters. You're all that matters. You're what all of reality was created for. You're what all of world's history is moving to. You are all that matters. You are infinitely satisfying. You are infinitely Valuable. I want to live my whole life to know you and to make you known so that everybody can get in on the joy of knowing God through Jesus Christ. That's holiness. Having God's perfection so capture our hearts that we set him above everything else in our affections and our passions. That's holiness. Now, how's that going to happen? 
Okay, I know my heart, and you know your heart, and uh, how's this going to happen? Because my heart, as the hymn says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, you know, prone to leave the God I love. I mean, how often is my heart feeling that? At times, okay, but there's ups and then there's downs, right? We're all there, so, so how's this actually going to, to happen? We, we all have other wows which are so puny, right? And which so distract us from, from who God is. How are we going to be holy? Remember that the last point about God's holiness is love. His, his amazing love for us in the cross. So here's, here's the wonderful thing. You can come to God as you are because of Jesus. With your heart as unspiritual as you might feel like it is. With just, you can hardly even find any wow for God in there. I mean, like you're worried about getting laid off and you're, you're thinking about what you're going to eat for lunch today, right? And there's just all these other things that are going on in your heart. Just, is there any wow of God? So you can come to God like that, with your heart just like that. You come to him and you say, I'm coming to the cross, Lord Jesus. You said you'd forgive hearts like this. You said you would change hearts like this. Here I am. I'm coming and I'm going to lay this all down at the foot of the cross Forgive me, change me. See, you come to the cross as you are, right? As you are. Like this? Exactly. Like this. Truly, that's how we come, as we are. And if we come and we say, Jesus, forgive me, and Lord Jesus, change me, He will! (laughs) He will! The weight of that guilt will lift off, And the power of the Holy Spirit will come on and you will feel the Holy Spirit starting to change your heart. Say, I'm seeing you. There's some love for Jesus there. Yes, wow. The wow's growing. Wow. But you come to him as you are. You don't try to be good enough to get that change to take place. That'll never work. It'll never happen. That's what the scribes and Pharisees were doing. And they weren't holy at all. So we come to the cross. That's where it all begins. We come to the cross as we, we are. And then, flowing out of that, Jesus says, now listen, pray, ask me for help every day, and every day take some time to let my words abide in you. And so we open up God's word and we say, show me the wow. Show me the wow. I thought, like, the Bible's kind of like a, like, a, like, a, like a laptop. Okay? And when you open it up, all right, up here there's a screen, and you'll see God playing on, on, your, on your laptop screen. That's a little dorky, but it worked for me, okay? All right? Okay, so it just, if you get bored of it, just say what? You know, although you've got to do this way to make, have it make sense, but you, know, you, you get the drift, all right? See, the point, God has given us a book, which when we open it up prayerfully and say, I'm not feeling it, help me, the Holy Spirit will come. The Holy Spirit loves this book because it glorifies Jesus. And you'll read about who God is in Jesus. And he will start to change your heart time and time again. I open up the Bible first thing in the morning and my heart's all over the map and it's down in the gutter and it's up in the wor- that worry and it's over here and it's just like, here I am, Lord, help me. And he, he comes and he helps me. And he will do the same for you. So you, you've got to get time every day seeing God, and then you'll say, wow. See, then, then when you see who God is in Christ, then the longing of your heart's going to be, I want more. I want more. And so that's where the do's and don'ts come in. The do's, that's the path on which God will show you his wows. 
and the don'ts, those are, that's the path where you'll be experiencing less of his wows. That's how it works, right? The path of obedience, that's where God will be showering you with more wows. Yes, wow, wow, wow. And the path of disobedience, you think start sinning with this, is like, where'd God go? Where'd God go? Where'd God go? Okay? I mean, an example, I, I, I put this on my blog, and I checked out a book from the library, I think it was like two or three weeks ago now. It's a historical novel on, uh, about World War II. And it looked really good. I'd never read this author before. Big, thick book. And, uh, you know, historical novel, so entertaining, plus history. How can, you, how can you miss? And so I started to read this book, and it was a great book. I mean, character development and plot and suspense, and this is, this is awesome. But as I got about 90, 100 pages into it, all of a sudden there was this very graphic sex scene going on in this book. And uh, I tried to skim it more or less successfully, less at times, and just those images are just in my mind. And you know what happens when, when images like that are in your mind. And again, God loves sex. God made sex between a man and a woman, right? This is his idea, his gift. He's no prude, okay? Just make sure you understand that. But those images in my mind shriveled the wow about God. That's what happened. So I'm thinking for a second. Well, maybe there's just no more parts like that. Maybe, you know, it's just a good book and just kind of move ahead. But if it's already there in 90 pages and there's 500 pages, you know, it's going to happen again. You can just count on it. So, so I took the book back to the library. Now, now, why? See, holiness is not mostly big no's. Holiness is all about a massively big yes. God, I want you. I want to behold you. I want to know you. I want to feel your love being poured into my heart. It's in your presence that there's fullness of joy. Why would I sell that for the junk in this book? Are you kidding me? Why would I do that? I, I thought of this picture. It's like you're a marathon runner. This might really be dorky, but just give me, give me another. It's like you're a marathon runner and you, you've got a, a mile to go and you're going to win $100,000 if you win. And there's all these people like 10 feet behind you, but you're ahead. Okay, mile to go, right, Maria? Okay, here you are. You're running this marathon. And somebody besides says, I've got a knapsack with $1,000 worth of pennies in it. It's only 100 pounds, but put this on. You'll have $1,000. So you're running and you're thinking, should I grab the knapsack with $1,000 worth of pennies in it? Do you understand the problem? It's going to weigh you down. $1,000, you put this knapsack on it, you're just trying to run. And everybody's running past you, and there goes the $100,000 that you would have won running the marathon. That didn't work, did it? Did it work? Okay. See, that's what sin is. Why would you go for the $1,000 which is going to keep you from the 100000 Right? Why would you do that? But see, the only way you're going to be able to say no is if you have a massively big yes. Do you have the yes? Are you feeling the wow? Have you come to the cross this morning already and said, Jesus, here I am. My heart's a wreck. I need you again. Forgive me. Change me. Help me. He will. You say, well, how many, how many times can I do that? I mean, before the ticket gets you know, punched, and it's like, I'm running out. Every day? Every hour? Listen, you, you might be thinking, um, you know, I'm not sure I need that because I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm not sure I really need to come to the cross every day. I'm doing okay. Listen, if you're saying that, you are not okay. You are not Okay. You don't have a clue what's going on if you feel that way. You do not know what's going on if you feel that way. You need the cross every day. Every day. 
numerous times through the day. So if you're not coming before the cross every day, at least, there's something wrong. So what do you do then? Come to the cross? Same thing? Yes! It's all there. It's all there. We come as we are, say, I'm not even sure I feel like I I need you. I'm not sure I want to be here. Help me. Help me. Forgive me. Change me. And he will. Let's stand together. Here's what I want us to do. I just want Dave to come up and lead us in a song. And, and I want to give you an opportunity to, to just really pray and do business with the Lord. Some of you may want to come up here and kneel down for this. Uh, if that's in your heart, then I want to open the door for that. But a couple things. One, some of you need right now to come before the cross of Jesus Christ. As you are. And just say, it's been a long time. Or maybe, hi, I'm Steve. This is the first time. Okay, this may be the first time. Beautiful. You'll be saved this is your first time. Born again. But some of you need to come to the cross right now. Because it's been a long time. And Jesus is welcoming you. Remember, we talked about his love on the cross. He loves you. He wants to give you the joy of knowing God in him through him. And so come to the cross right now this morning and just say, forgive me, change me, help me, and he will. Okay? So some of you need to really come to the cross in a clear way. Others of you need to say yes to something, something in the path of obedience that you know the Lord has in the back of your mind, you've been maybe resisting or maybe just dabbling or just toying, and it's time this morning to say Yes, I want you. I want more of you. There's more of you in the path of obedience. So for the sake of you, yes. By your grace, help me. I can't do this on my own. I will fail, left to myself, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. But here I am. Change me, help me. Yes, I want to move ahead in this path of obedience with this area the Lord's stirring in your heart. So some of you need to come to the cross. Some of you need to respond to the Lord's call for obedience in an area. And some of you need to say no to something. Some of you have been trying to run with a thousand dollars worth of pennies on your back. You're not doing very well. You've got to say no to things. I mean, I took the book back because why would I want to have my wows and God taken away? It's just not worth it. And that's what you've got to do. You've got to say no to some things. So three areas. Coming to the cross. Responding to what the Holy Spirit's stirring in terms of an area of obedience. And then some area in your life where you need to say no. Okay, So just do business with the Lord. If you want to come forward and kneel down here, go ahead. Let's pray. Lord, I ask for your power to come right now. I pray that you'd save people now, people who've never bent the knee before Jesus Christ, who've never felt your forgiveness, who've never experienced your heart-changing power. Do it now, Lord. Now. Bring them to the cross now. Lord, people who need to say yes to an area where you're calling them into obedience, Lord, let them see you, your worth, your wow, your enabling power. And let them respond and say, yes, I'm going to follow you in this. And Lord, those who need to say no to something, something that they've been saying yes to that they shouldn't have been, that's quenching the work of the Spirit in their hearts, change them now, Lord, I pray. Help them. Thank you, Lord, that you you welcome us to the cross. Everything we need, you've purchased for us. You've purchased faith for us. You've purchased new hearts 
for us, wisdom for us, sanctification, righteousness, everything, everything we need, we can come and freely receive from you by faith alone. So here we are, Lord, once again, receiving from you. Pour out your grace upon us, I pray, Lord. Pour out forgiveness afresh upon us. Pour out new hearts, Lord, by the work of your Spirit. Lord, those who are before you now who haven't sensed your presence in a long time, would you pour out your Spirit upon them, Lord, in a mighty way now, this afternoon, tomorrow, as we open up your word, as we pray that you would show us your glory, stir up a wow in our hearts. And then, Lord, we want to be holy. We want to have you so exalted in our hearts. We want to have your perfection set you infinitely above everything else in our hearts. We want to live in a way that displays that that's who you are to us. So do that, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.